Bang. You know, I don't think the fingers really do. That does not replace a clapper. I mean, if you could ask a lot of guys that use clappers, John, and the clappers, uh... <laughs> and we yeah. know a few. <laughs> yeah, we know more and more guys are using the clapper when I started using it. <laughs> anyway, um, welcome to the Rebel Edge, folks. John Najarian, Pete Najarian, Jared. Uh, happy to be working the board and putting up the graphics and everything else. Right, Jared? <laughs> Say right, Jared. <laughs> That's right, Jared. That's right. <laughs> well, the way we work this program, folks, is we give you just one minute of macro, four of our top stories of the day, stocks that are moving and our take on it, and then unusual activity from Pete and then from me or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And then we also cover a little sports and we're gonna cover some prop bets for the Super Bowl among, among other things today. Yeah. But we always start off with the one minute macro, Pete, so we don't waste too much time. Chairman Powell pushing back on the dovish take that everybody has on what he said last week. And that's what I am calling for, that he's gonna push back. Mm. <laughs> Well, you saw Neil Kashkari probably on there as well today, John. He was on television talking about what the Fed has done and where he thinks actually rates ought to be and uh, mm -hmm. probably surprised some people. He is, he's, they're all data dependent. I think we all know that. We talk about transparency. I think we get that. So I, I don't ever think Chairman Powell ever is, is going to be something that's surprising, but the reaction oftentimes is surprising, John. So it's going to be interesting. People always love to hear what he has to say and all the rest of it. So we're going to, that is something that was influential early on. And then people just sort of cast it off. Like you've said, once he stops talking, the markets usually react. I expect to see something similar today. Well, that's the one minute macro folks. One minute. Now we dive into those four stocks that I talked about. Um, and I'm going to kick it off with bed, bath and beyond Pete. Uh, because it's almost beyond imagination that people would be giving uh, investors crap about jumping in this thing. Because look at the 52-week low, folks. Um, you know, the, when they were threatening bankruptcy, the stock traded down below a buck 30. And then it subsequently started running to the upside. Why? Well, what happens when you shrug off a whole bunch of debt? Uh, all of a sudden, you look lean and mean, and look what happened to American Airlines and a host of others, General Motors. If you can get rid of some of the big overhead, Pete, that's a positive, believe it or not, because you're not talking about liquidation. You're talking about bankruptcy protection mm -hmm. so that you can reemerge. Well, they're not going to do that. And because they're not going to do that, they got some funding. Shares are down hard today. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. I got to tell you, John. We've talked about this company on multiple occasions for all the right reasons. And, and I think we've done a really good job of at least framing it for everybody that, hey, uh, if you look at this balance sheet, you understand these guys not only have a problem, but it's a really, really, really big problem. And it's something they've been having to deal with for a long time. But you look at the debt, John, it's crazy. You look at how much cash they're burning, it's crazy. But that doesn't mean a stock can't actually react. And especially when, oh, 80% of the float is short, things can happen, which is why I think this is one of those stocks where if you're in the options and on the option side, the derivative side, you know what you can lose if you own those options. So it's something where I think 
depending on what's going on and following some of the unusual option activity, all of the rest of it, John, you have great opportunities for some incredible gains at times because of the fact that it's got such a short, because the, the balance sheet is one of the worst I've ever looked at. And the company probably doesn't have long for this world, but it doesn't mean it's done yet. So why not continue to trade it? That's what you do. That's what I do. That's what others should be doing because this is an amazing tradable event. But I would say be very, very cautious if you're getting involved on the on the stock side because there are days that could be great and there are days that could be absolutely awful. Yep. Speaking of absolutely awful, we've got <laughs> Chegg. <laughs> we've talked See, about it before. <laughs> yeah, we did, folks, on an earlier episode when all the AI, artificial intelligence, not just the symbol AI, but all the artificial intelligence at like chat GPT was being talked about. And people said, you know what? These guys might be able to take over for companies like Chegg because people that want to get better grades go to a place like Chegg to try to get those better grades. Well, what if an artificial intelligence were able to help them learn faster without quite so much of the uh, cost of going to Chegg? Well, that would hurt Chegg, wouldn't it? Their executives say no, but people are basically denying that, Pete, and saying, you know what? I think you're dismissing this a little too quickly. The CEO Rosenwig said, it's not gonna hurt us. We haven't seen anything yet, yet. Did you say Rosenwig? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's, that's just perfect. Put a rose on top of this wig because, John, these guys got major issues. You and I both know it. We talked about it before. We talked about how AI, when something can be done more efficiently and, and, and give people this, the quality, maybe better quality, wow, I got to tell you something. That's bad competition. That's not somebody you want to be in your space. And why is it, by the way, when we looked out at the next quarter and the full year, that that was a real disappointment for Chegg. I can tell you why. They're going right up against the AI world. They're losing. We already talked about it before when they started to lose. Now we're seeing it actually extend into 2023 and that whole cycle. John, I, I do not like what we're seeing here. Sure, Chegg has a decent balance sheet. It's not one of these where they're they're completely levered off the, off the reservation and we should be fearful. But I would say this, they should be fearful. And if they're not really fearful right now, old Rosenblatt's or whatever, uh, he doesn't, he better watch his job. Rosenwick, that's right. <laughs> Bentley, Everett, give up. Well, anyway, uh, I just find the whole thing crazy, John. I really, I really do. And not, you know what? You can't put your head in the sand. And that's what it feels like these guys are doing right now. Yep. And if you go from, you know, an average of one and a half million shares, Pete, to 12 million shares. That's telling you, all you got to do, folks, is look at volume and then look at the direction we're going. That's where institutions are playing because the institutions have a lot more money than you and me and Pete. So if we're seeing volume surging and the price is going up, that means institutions are buying. If volume is surging and we're going down. That means a bunch of those investors think that Rosenwig ain't really smelling the coffee just yet, people. Or the roses or the or wig the roses. or anything. <laughs> All right. What about Skyworks? Skyworks was moving up. Um, it seemed, Pete, that uh, because they announced a 
$2 billion buyback. That was a pretty significant catalyst. And damn near every analyst on the street started moving up their price targets as soon as the, and all they did was match what the street expected as far as revenue, which is sales and profit. All they did was match. And I think it was the $2 billion buyback that put people over the top, Pete. Well, and there was one other item too, John, I agree with you, but the $2 billion mark uh, buyback is huge. I mean, that's something that we've watched that happen throughout this earnings season. When people have talked about this and some of the numbers are outrageous that they're throwing out there, but when they're buying back their own stock, John, at a big pace, that is something that I think everybody's going to grasp onto and say, you know what? That's a great sign. On top of that, John, how about this? Their cash flow, the operating cash flow this past quarter, $770 million, which is a record. So I think mm -hmm. the combination of both of those things really does tell us that we're seeing a company that's navigating through a very difficult time and economic time, all, all of the different things that are weighing on a lot of these companies, but they feel like they can get through this thing and get through it in a very positive way. So I think the combination of what we're seeing, what they delivered, I think all of that speaks volumes, including maybe a little read through, John, for the future of Apple as well. There's a lot of different things, I think, about what's going on right now with Skyworks and with a lot of other companies, especially in the tech semiconductor field, that tells me they're navigating through this better than probably most would ever expect. Yeah, uh, and Skyworks, uh, the fact that they moved targets up, Pete, two yeah. of them, Credit Suisse and Benchmark, took their targets up uh, to 135. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the high marks, as far as I can tell, as of today. All right, OSH. This one, again, another one we've talked about, Pete, Oak Street Health. And apparently CVS is going to buy them for under $11 billion. Uh, shares are up 30%. Um, and this one, it's not a surprise, but we didn't know when they might actually announce a deal. Um, this has been talked about for a while. And all of a sudden we have, you know, hey, yep, we've come to a deal. Boom to the upside, heavy volume of turnover of shares trading and so forth, Pete. And the kicker, just like we said yesterday, CVS was flat or maybe even slightly up on the deal. So in other words, the street really likes it. In fact, it's up half a percent right now, Pete, CVS. Yep. They're grabbing, it's a land grab, John. They're just going after things, CBS and Walgreens both, but CBS doing an outstanding job, I think, in navigating this, the, what, what is a very difficult, we talk about it all the time, but I think what they've done so well is how they, they've navigated is in this particular case, this is something that's a great bolt on. And I think it, I think it really fits pretty well. We're talking about primary care, Medicare, that whole world. And they're getting into that outside of all these other things. And let's not forget, they've got relationships with Target and others. There's a lot going on when you look at CVS. They've done a lot of things right. I think when you look at the management there, it's been very, very impressive. And John, this is up 30%, like you said, $10.5 billion acquisition. It's going to be interesting to see if they actually get to the number they've talked about. They said it's going to be 39 bucks. Well, it's a little bit short of that. They usually are short of that, but it's at a 52-week high. So a nice reaction from the stock. And like you just said, a great reaction from CVS as well. People are not going in and saying, you know what, this is terrible and selling. They're looking at this saying, you know what, this looks like a pretty good deal, a nice bolt-on. Yep. David Faber, Pete, our old uh, friend from CNBC, yep. talked about this. 
on uh, January 10th. And he's, he was saying, you know, to the viewers and so forth, doing what David should do and does do, um, breaking news. And uh, he's one of the best at it. Stock was, you know, it spiked from, let me see here, Pete, just real quick, 22 to 30 bucks, yeah. basically on Faber. And he said, but it's going to be dilutive to CBS. He might be wrong on that because of, like you and I just said, the reaction that the shareholders of CVS are not selling. Uh, they think this is a good combination. So, uh, again, hats off to Faber for breaking the news, Pete. Yep. But uh, I think this is a pretty good combination. And to your point, it's going to take a little time to get it to uh, finalize, usually four to six months before these deals close. So that's why it's not 39 yet. All right, Meta, Pete. This is my unusual for today. Meta, they bought 15,000 of the February 190 calls in Meta. Um, that's a big trade. That's not this week. That's next Friday expiration um, because this Friday is going to be the 10th, of course. So this is next Friday expiration. So you have, you know, call it a week and a half before this thing uh, expires. And 15,000 is a lot. And uh, they paid $2.30 or so, Pete. So every option's for 100 shares. So that means $230 times 15,000. You get the idea. This is a big trade. Somebody put millions of dollars on the idea that Meta continues the pop that it had since you and I talked about hey, if they cut back on CapEx, this thing's going to go to the moon. And then he threw in a little $40 billion buyback. To <laughs> Just 40. Just 40. <laughs> yeah, John, you know what? What's amazing today is, and you're, you're defining meta, I, I'm going to go to Google, but across the board, we are seeing huge option acquiring of, of, of upside across the board. I mean, technology, semiconductor, you name it. I mean, they're, they're just kind of coming for it right now, John, and it's been an amazing thing. And they're actually doing well already. I mean, these it's amazing how fast this market can move. And I'll tell you what, I would say right now, 90%, probably 80 to 90% of all the unusual options that we have right now expire on Friday, February 10th. It's just amazing how short-term a lot of this is. So is it because of Powell? Is it because of something else? Doesn't really matter what the answer is, but we've got a very, very short and a very interesting window for these things to work. I got Google for you. Mine expire Friday, February 10th. The 105 calls, John, a buyer of over 16,000 of those calls today. Stock was underneath 105 and they bought them for $1.20 all the way up to about $1.60 on these options. Very interesting to watch this come in because they just flew in. Now, don't forget, just last week, Google had traded all the way up towards 111, and then it had eased back with some of the selling that we'd seen in the NASDAQ itself. Well, today, a little bit of a different story. NASDAQ's moving to the upside, and some of the biggest players in the NASDAQ are making that the lead for themselves, whether it's Meta or Google or some of the other names. I'm not going to give anything else away, but there's a lot going on here. I like what we're seeing out of Google, John. I absolutely jumped on this one. I don't know when I'm going to get out, but I'll tell you what, I'll be watching this stock very, very closely over the next couple of hours and obviously maybe over the next couple of days. Yep. And, uh, you know, the Jerome Powell talking about, you know, his outlook and so forth, Pete, people continue to believe that he is going to uh, go back. The Leckbird doesn't change his spots, um, mm -hmm. that he's going to go back to be in the Uber dove that he actually is. 
<laughs> rather than talking tough like Neil Kashkari, the Minneapolis Fed chair. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see, Pete. So Super Bowl, NFL. What do you want to hit first? I'll let you take over and then we'll look at some prop bets after. Yeah, we're going to have some fun with the prop bets. Uh, John, we're going into the Super Bowl, and I've been pretty harsh on, on Roger Goodell. And by the way, well-deserved. I, I don't back off from any of what I've said about what he needs to do to make the Shield and the NFL better. His old good friend, Adam Silver, over in the NBA might need to do the same damn thing. This guy has really lost it, John, and here's why I say that. Look at what's been going on in the NBA. Not only have we had many fights, but even, even a bigger deal for me. I mean, the fights are absolutely idiotic. They don't find these guys enough. But how about this, John? The other night, the Timberwolves were playing the Denver Nuggets back in Minnesota here. They sat four of their starting five for the Denver team that didn't even make the trip to Minnesota. So tell me this. You're, you're a guy who wants to go to a basketball game. You're going to pay up because you really want to see them play against a really good Denver Nuggets team or even throw in other, the Lakers, doesn't matter who it is. But these players have no respect at all for the fact that these, and, and the NBA. And here, I'll give you a great example, actually, of this, John. So Popovich, back in 2012, November, he sat four of his players. David Stern, however, was in charge of the NBA. You know what the fine was for doing that, John? Because these aren't hurt players. If they're hurt, that's different, obviously. But these are guys that he has just said, you know what? We're going to do a little load management, which is a bullshit thing to say. These guys get <laughs> off the bench and, and, and get on the court. They didn't do it. So that was in November 2012. They got fined. $250,000 a decade ago, right? Fast forward to now, the Nets, they rested eight players the other night. Durant, Kyrie, Simmons, all these guys. This is, you know, uh, back in uh, December of this year, of this past year. So they sit all these guys, right? Now, if you went to that basketball game, wouldn't you have wanted to see Kevin Durant, Durant if he's healthy, playing yeah. out there? Maybe Ben Simmons, maybe Kyrie Irving, all the rest of these guys. Here was the fine. Now, David Stern was $250,000 a decade ago. Well, Adam Silver really went after him with twenty-five grand. He goes, hey, look, Nets, don't ever do this again. $25,000. And they're like, really? For what? For each guy? Or how, do, how does that really work? No, that was the full fine. It's just amazing, John. And here's the last thing on that. And you and I both have, have known Michael Jordan. We, we, you know, there's card games, Michael Jordan. We know all these things. Michael Jordan, how about this? When he was 40 years old with the Washington team, he played in all 82 games, John. 82 games at 40 years old. These 24-year-old guys need a little, little management. They got to take care of these guys. Michael Jordan, nine times played in 82 games in a season, and the only seasons that he didn't, he legitimately was hurt. And that's the only reason he missed games. I think Jordan understood these guys pay a premium to come see the NBA. They get paid a lot of money to play each and every game, even though they don't. So they actually make even more per game because the average player might play 60, 60 games, John, on average. I just took a look a while back at some of the guys from Golden State that wanted to be in, in the NBA for this and that and the other as far as the all-star game. They shouldn't even be able to play in it because they don't have enough games played to get in it. 
So what do you think they need to do? Should they up the fines? What should they do to try to fix this? Because the NBA is completely screwed, and they are screwing the fans each and every night. Well, you're right. Uh, because when you're talking about taking a family of, you know, even just you and your daughter or son, Pete, to a game, um, and you're looking at the tickets, maybe 400 to $700. And I'm not talking about the greatest seats. Obviously, uh, in a place like Golden State, they go up multiples of that. So if the people you're paying uh, hard-earned money to see are instead sitting there in their street clothes on the bench, that's not exactly why you paid hundreds or thousands of dollars. Um, and it does wreck the experience, and it is not fair to the other team either. So, uh, you know, because then if you win, what? Uh, yeah, but we didn't have Kyrie. We didn't have Simmons. We didn't have Durant. You know, we didn't play all our guys. Well, yeah, that's the point. You didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you on that. I think the fines need to be, well, first of all, you need to talk to the teams, and then you need to ramp up the fines. Yep. Yep, I think that's right. And if they pay, if it was a two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine a decade ago, I don't know why it wouldn't have been five hundred grand or more. Maybe it's more, John. They've got to figure out how to fix that thing. And I, we talk about the NFL shield. The NBA doesn't even have a shield. They got this plastic thing that they walk around in that they got from China. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> next one I'm going to talk to you about, John, are the bets. Now. You and I talk about this a lot. We've been talking more and more about prop bets because I'll tell you what, prop bets are the most fun bets of all. It's one thing to have a team or, or, or whatever, you know, maybe you're playing a first half or something like that. But I think the prop bets really do make things a lot of fun. You brought this up the other day. So we decided we might just do a couple of prop bets each and every day leading up to the Super Bowl here at the Rebels Edge. So here, here's what I'm going to give you. First of all, 20% of the U.S. population is involved in betting and approximately $16 billion on the Super Bowl this year. How about that for a number? I mean, holy crap. Anyway, Jalen Hurts is my first one, John. It's a big moment for him. He only threw six interceptions this past year, which is not too bad. That's regular and postseason, by the way. So he's done very, very well not throwing interceptions. But I like this. I think he's young. I think he's never really had the opportunity to be in this big of a stage. I mean, who has, unless you've been to the Super Bowl. But he might have an issue. Doesn't mean they're going to lose the game. Might have an issue, though. And I'm looking at it saying, well, at a half, it, it, it's at a half. So either you're going to say he's going to have an interception or he's not. So I like the over on that. So I, I'm looking at that. If I do that, John, I pay 100 bucks to win 110 bucks. I like that trade. I'm looking at that, and I think that's going to be a prop bet for me. A.J. Brown's another one. I'm struggling with this one. I'm going to go with him having the most receiving yards. If he does for both teams, I got a, a bet where I'm going to put 100 bucks down to win 450. I like that one a lot as mm. too. You and I talk about options all the time. It's like options, man. We got – you know, risk reward. And I kind of like that risk reward because I think AJ Brown's a hell of a receiver. Well, um, I got a couple interesting prop bets for you, Pete. Those were indeed interesting, especially the AJ Brown one, I think. Mm -hmm. um, how about this one? Uh, the number of players to throw a pass. So this <laughs> would include a fake punt. If the, instead of running it, the punter throws the ball. Um, 
anybody that throws a pass. So we know there's going to be two quarterbacks in the game, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. So if a third player throws a pass, you win. Um, I think that is likely. Um, if you remember the Philadelphia play, Pete, where against the Patriots uh, at the uh, Viking Stadium, they basically went into that shotgun and then the quarterback, Wentz, went in motion, right? And there yeah. was a snap back to the running back who then threw it to Wentz, who went in motion. <laughs> the Philly special. <laughs> the Philly special. Yep. So that would be an example. Um, but anytime a, a person other than those two that we know are going to throw, throws a pass, you would win with that prop bet. Hmm. Um, let's see. Um, I like that one. Two-point conversion. Do you like that one to win 110 bucks? Mm -hmm. uh, that there will be a prop uh, for, will there be a two-point conversion? Or do you want the other side? There will not be a two-point conversion. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, brrr, let's, what was that other one I had here, Pete? Um, <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Uh, first quarter passes for a touchdown. Yes or no, Pete? Yeah. Wow. I like those. I like, you know what? We got them all week, John. So we're going to be going through these because there's a whole lot of crazy ones out there too. Right. I mean, like yep. heads or tails. I mean, all these goofy things that everybody gets into all these things. And at some point, I think I'm, I'm as I'm looking at this stuff, maybe Thursday we'll do uh we'll maybe cover some of the commercials and, and what in God's name uh, these guys might be having to pay for 30 seconds or a minute. I mean, we're going to, we'll touch on a lot of those different things. And I love the prop bets thing. And I appreciate you throwing that out there to us because I think that, I think that's a lot of fun. I think it's, you know what the over-unders and, and, you know, all the rest of it are just picking a team. That's great. But sometimes it's over early or sometimes it's just not all that interesting, but these prop bets get pretty interesting pretty fast. So that'll be fun. I agree. Well, folks, um, thank you for joining us. Uh, we will follow up on some of these uh unusual activity picks with you on tomorrow's Rebel Edge, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Remember, 3 at 3 comes your way at 3 p.m. Eastern. I'm down here in Miami at the uh, Wall Street Conference. I get to interview Mr. Pa uh, Dr. Patrick Byrne this afternoon, Pete, the uh, founder and CEO, former of Overstock.com, and should be a good time, but tune in for Rebel's Edge tomorrow at 1. Thank <laughs> you.